Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. He knew this. He knew this was going to happen. I mean, he wasn't dumb. He knew that, oh, I go bring that report. They're going to hate me. And they did. But he was faithful. Joseph was faithful to his brothers. He was faithful to God when he brought the evil report back to his father. And in a sense, Joseph didn't care if his brothers hated him as long as God loved him, as long as his father loved him. And in that, we see a picture of how we shouldn't really care if the world hates us if we've got the father's approval. So Joseph, here he is. He first sees this evil that his brothers were up to. And then we can just imagine how the brothers, you know, they they didn't want to get reported on, so what they needed to do was to bring him in, you know, bring Joseph into their group, entice him, you know, to entice him. Sin with us, Joseph. And, and we can imagine Joseph, you know, in that state of, of trying to be enticed and just sort of put him into the picture of Proverbs 1, Joseph. And you can almost hear like God speaking to Joseph at that time when when his brothers are trying to entice him, when it says in Proverbs 1.10, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk walk not thou in the path with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, and they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privily for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone that's greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. Wisdom, see on the other hand it goes now, wisdom cries without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She openeth, crieth in the chief place of the concourse and the openings of the gates in the city. She uttereth her words, saying, how long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity and scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge? Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. All this emphasis there in that Proverbs 1 about the us and the we and, the, and, and don't be separated from us and join in and come on, let's be one of them. But Joseph stood firm and he didn't do that. And that was a testing for him. That was a training for him because the only reason why he didn't do that, because he heard another voice. He heard another voice saying, consent thou not, Joseph. Walk thou not with them, Joseph. 
Refrain thy foot from them, Joseph. And that's how he was able to resist that temptation and the later one when beautiful Potiphar's wife came along and tried to seduce him. And again, same voice, consent thou not, Joseph, you know, walk thou not in the way with her. Okay, now, when we read in verse three here, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. You know, it's kind of a little amazing to us to see this because, I mean, you know, it's like, really, Jacob? <laughs> you know, you, you, you really wanna do that? You 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 want to really want to sort of strongly show this outward favoritism? I mean, didn't you kind of learn a lesson when you were growing up in your own home? I mean, you know, don't, don't you remember your dad Isaac? Remember, remember he kind of showed a strong favoritism toward Esau, you know, and not for you, Jacob. Don't you remember how you felt when your father Isaac favored Esau? Don't you kind of remember what it felt like to be discriminated against? I mean, don't you remember how you hated Esau because your father made him his favorite? You know, so you kind of stand back and say, Jacob, you really want to do this? But no, good old Jacob goes ahead, practice the same favoritism with Joseph. All right. So he shows his preference for Jacob and he makes him a special coat. Now, normally the coat's those days, you know, one piece of cloth, it's very easy, cut the hole out for the head, put it over, put the thing on, sew it up the sides, leave the holes for the arms, that's your coat, that's it. That's a normal coat, it's like a tunic. And in no sleeves that go down to the wrists, no, nothing that goes down to the ankles. But from the Hebrew words that are used here to describe Joseph's coat, it's not like that. Joseph's coat of many colors seems to have had sleeves that went down to the wrist, seems to be long enough for the ankles, probably made of some kind of a patchwork like the one I brought in last week of the, you know, the quilt. Now, Jacob made the coat for Joseph. The father made the coat for the son. What's the most famous scene in the Bible of a father making coats for his children? That's it, that's it. Unto, in Genesis 3.21, unto Adam also unto his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. Now, what words of this? These aren't easy for us to understand. To see God himself making coats of skin and then God himself clothing them with the coats he made. I mean, you read these words, God making coats for his children, clothing it makes it, it, it makes us ask the same question that's asked in Psalm 8. You know, when I consider how great you are, God, when I consider the he- thy heavens, your heavens, the work of thy fingers, that means the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Then I ask the question, what's man? What's man that you're mindful of him and that thou visitest him? What's man that you make coats for him? What's man that you put the coats on him, you clothe them? Why should you care that Adam and Eve need coats? You know, why should you make the coats yourself and don't have some angels do that for you? I mean, why should you clothe Adam and Eve with the coats? You know, I'm always asking people to do other things. I wouldn't make a good God. That wouldn't be me. So, but it, so it brings us a question. Why should Jehovah Jesus care that you and I have sinned and are, we're in need of an atonement for our sins? Why should he care? I mean, why should Jehovah Jesus come to earth himself to be so abused, to suffer, to die on the cross in such a shameful death, be buried, and rose again just to become our atonement for our sins. 
but he did. And that's the amazing of all. And so we read this passage, you know, Jacob makes the coat for Joseph, and it just brings, the, when we read this in, in, in verse three, he made him a coat of many colors. And when Joseph wore that coat, you know what it said to everybody? It said that, we, you know, remember I said last week, I said, you know, we got a special, wow, you know, not everybody has a coat like that, Joseph. <laughs> you see, you are the one that the Father has chosen. That was the message of the coat. You are the one that the Father has chosen. None of us have coat like that. So the coat made the statement, Jacob chose Joseph above all his brothers. And whenever Joseph wore that coat, it spoke of the Father's choice. You're the one. So the Lord Jesus Christ would have a coat, but what he did were the miracles. And the miracles that he did were like Joseph's coat because they showed he was the Father's choice. See, for the Lord Jesus Christ, it was these miracles that were like Joseph's coat because it spoke of the Father's choice. And that's told to us in Matthew 12, Matthew 12, 13, where it says, a man comes, okay, he's got a withered hand. And it says, then saith he to the man, stretch forth thine hand. He stretched it forth, it was restored, whole like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held a counsel against him how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, so more miracles, and charged them that they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I'll put my spirit upon him, and he'll show judgment to the Gentiles. So, you get the scene? Here stands the Lord Jesus, just like Joseph. Here stands the Lord Jesus, just like Joseph. There stands a man with a withered hand, and there stood the Pharisees who were like Joseph's brothers. And when the Lord Jesus heals the hand of this man, it's like the Lord Jesus could be seen like Joseph wearing the coat that spoke of the Father's choice. And that's why it said in Matthew 12, 17, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved. So it's the healing, it's the miracles that show that the Lord Jesus was God the Father's choice. And then what happened? Just as when Joseph's brothers hated Joseph when they saw the coat, because it spoke that the Father had chosen him, so when the Pharisees saw him healing the hand, it says in, in uh, Matthew twelve fourteen, then the Pharisees went out and held the council how they might destroy him. So now in verse three, though, we notice here, very interesting word, how it starts. Verse three, it says in Genesis 37, three, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. You know, the Bible, when it wants to start something new, you know, in this case, it uses the word now, you know, now, you know, now we're gonna start a new section. Now we're gonna see some new things. Now we're gonna see some special things, a new situation we've just been talking about. Now there's a new hatred of Joseph. It's not just a new hatred in this section of Joseph, but it's everything new special. Now there's a special love. Nobody else was loved like Joseph. Now there's a special coat. Nobody has a coat like Joe, like that. Now there's a special loyalty. Nobody else had a loyalty to the father like Joseph. And so now, and, and then of course, now this special hatred. No one else was hated in the family like Joseph was hated. 
And, and, and now there's going to be special dreams. No one else dreams in the family except for Joseph. So what this brought about in this special hatred in verse 4 is it says, when his, when his brethren saw that their father loved him more. See, so you notice that. When he, they saw that, that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. We need to see a couple things from this verse. First is that they had this inability, they could not, inability of the brothers to speak peaceably to Joseph, and it all came when they saw that the father loved him more than them. They hated Joseph when they saw that the father had chosen Joseph. And this hatred all stemmed from the fact that he was chosen. So now keep that in mind of how the hatred fell on Joseph because he was chosen. And because the second point is how their anger was expressed and it was expressed that they couldn't be nice to him. They couldn't greet him. You know, the typical greeting, shalom, shalom. I always you say, shalom, shalom. You know, there's always shalom, shalom. Okay, that's the way it is. A shalom is always returned with a shalom. Literally, you know, they, they were not, what it says here literally in the Hebrew, they were not able to say shalom. And same in Arabic. You know, if you, if you say to an Arabic, salam, salam, if you don't get a salam in return, that's bad news. <laughs> that could mean he thinks you're Jewish, all right? <laughs> Clint, remember that. And Caleb, keep that in mind when your plane goes to Ethiopia and you stop over there at Jeddah in Saudi Arabia and you say salam, if you don't hear salam, that's the time to start worrying. <laughs> all right, so they have this inability to, to say shalom. They, have, they can't do it. They just cannot bring themselves to say shalom to Joseph because he was chosen by the Father. And so we also see this, this inability to speak nice, this inability to speak peaceably. We see it of the Lord when he's on the cross. When it says in Luke 2, 30, Luke 23, 35, Luke 23, 35, it says, and the people stood beholding him and the rulers also with him derided him, saying, hey, saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. They hated the Lord Jesus because he was chosen by God. And it came out at the cross. And just as the brothers of Joseph hated Joseph because he was chosen by, by Jacob. And the hatred all stems from being chosen. And you know, you see the first, where do you see this first example of hatred because chosen by God? That's it. Cain and Abel in Genesis 4.4, that was what it was all about. In Genesis 4.4, and Abel, he also brought of the first things of his flock and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance full. Fulfilled. So God chose Abel's offering because it was the blood sacrifice. And he, he didn't choose Cain's offering. That meant that God chose what Abel brought and, not, and, and therefore Cain hated Abel and ended up murdering Abel because it all stemmed from Abel was chosen and not me. That's the way Cain was thinking. And this hatred of stemming from being chosen was also seen in Esau. That was the reason why Esau hated Jacob, because Jacob was chosen over him. 
as it says in Genesis 27:41, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. Well, what was that blessing? The blessing was, I'm choosing you, Jacob said, I'm consciously now. I'm choosing you consciously now, and you're gonna rule over Esau. And so therefore, Esau hated Jacob, and Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand, then will I slay my brother Jacob. So that was what happened. The hatred of Cain against Abel all stemmed because Abel was chosen over Cain. The hatred of Esau against Jacob was all because Jacob was chosen over Esau. The hatred of the brothers against Joseph was all because Joseph was chosen over them. And the hatred of the Pharisees against the Lord Jesus Christ was all because the Lord Jesus Christ was chosen over them. So all these hatreds that are stemming from being chosen, that's the reason why the world hates believers. Because the Lord said in John 15, 19, if you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. See, in all these cases, the hatred stems from being chosen over. And this is the true meaning of the word envy. Envy. You know, envy is hatred. Envy is hatred. You know, it's to hate another person for what he has. You know, today it's all watered down. The word envy is all watered down. People say, oh, I'm envious of you. Really? (laughs) No. Oh, I envy you. No. You know, they kind of make it like covet. But that's, envy is bad. It's really bad. It says in Proverbs 14.30, envy is the rottenness of bones. Envy is the rottenness of bones. Yeah, that's a bad thing. Rottenness of the bones, not a good thing. It's a bad thing, especially if it's cancer. Bone cancer, not a good thing. Bone cancer does not sit still. Bone cancer spreads. It spreads. And this is the characteristic of envy. It spreads in James 3.16. For where envy, envying and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. See, that's a spreading. Every evil work. The envy spreads, and you can see how this envy this envy, this envy-driven hatred among the brothers here, how it spread. I mean, look at verse 34. You're really getting this picture of this spreading here. You see where it says, when his brethren saw, verse four, when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him. So there we have the start. And could not speak peaceably unto him. Now look at verse five. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet more, spreading. And then notice in verse eight, his brethren said unto him, shall you indeed reign over us and or shalt thou have a dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more. See, spreading, spreading, spreading. Verse 11, his brethren envied him. So this shows that this envy-driven hatred, it never sits still. It's on the move. It's always moving. Now, we read here, we can't quite go past this without really thinking about this. Jacob made a coat for his son the coat of many colors. And, and, and then we're thinking about God made a coat for Adam and Eve. You know, and then it comes back to us. God made coats for us too. You know, we need clothing. We need clothing for our souls. We need soul clothing. You know, beyond. We need so He looks us over. God looks us over. And he sees that, you know what? You need some clothing for your soul. I mean, that's what he did in the church of Laodicea. He says in Revelation 3.17, think about this concept of clothing for the soul. And he says, look, 
Because thou sayest I am rich, increased with goods, have need of nothing, knowest not that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He says, I counsel thee, buy of me gold, try in the fire, you may be rich. White raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Anoint thine eyes with thy soul, thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. As many as I love, I'll tell you, you need clothing. You need soul clothing. You know, the Lord looked at them and says, you think you're well clothed? I see you. You're not. You're naked. You need some clothing. So I counsel thee to buy of me white raiment that thou mayest be clothed that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. So what's the clothing? What kind of clothing is God talking about that we need? He speaks about one in 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 3, 3, where it says, talking about the women, it says, who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, wearing of gold, putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. He's talking about being clothed with a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. See, God sees that you need the clothing of the meek and the quiet spirit. What's that? Well, what's the opposite of that? <laughs> what's the opposite of a meek and quiet spirit? In your face. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Loud, proud, boasting. See? So the first clothing that God says we need, he says you need a clothing of a meek and quiet spirit. And then he goes on to Peter. Peter, Peter, Peter was into the clothing. So Peter, 1 Peter 5.5. 5. 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Be clothed with humility. God resisteth the proud, gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Notice those subjects as they're coming. You know, clothed with humility. Humble yourselves. He cast your care on him. Three things. So we need the clothing of humility. And right after the need for the clothing of humility, we're told to humble ourselves. And God helps us. He helps us along with this. God helps us along because if we don't want to put on that clothing of humility, then he's got a big mighty hand and it comes down on us because he loves us. And so he wants us to have good clothing. And so just like a man who turns to his spouse in the morning and says, you know, how do I look in these clothes you know, <laughs> before he goes out? Every morning in our devotion time, we should say to the Lord, how does my soul look in this clothing today? How do I look? And God, in his great love, he's going to be honest. And he's going to tell us how we really do look with that soul clothing on that we're wearing. And if we don't do that and ask God how we look, then we come in our morning devotions and we'll read, and then God will say, you're not going to go out wearing that clothing today like that, are you? (laughs) And if that doesn't work, then he's got a big mighty hand. It'll be affecting our finances and it'll be affecting our health and the loss of our friends. And his big mighty hand is brought down on us for one reason, to help us get dressed, help us put on the right clothes, the clothing of humility.
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page history of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org.